I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Deuteronomy. I have four scriptures that I'd like to read with you this morning, and then I'm just going to talk to you about this. And the title of this message is The Misery of an In-Between Place. The Misery of an In-Between Place. And it, I know that there might be people here this morning who are in an in-between place. I know that every one of us have been there. And so it is a very dangerous time in your life because you're not content to stay there. You're going to move in one direction and that is to your promise or that is to your bondage. And so I just pray that this will speak to us this morning what God would have to share. I say this to you and I bring this to you because there's an urgency in my heart that we as the church of Jesus Christ have got to be in the forefront. You do not have the luxury to just attend church. You may think that you do, but you don't. You're accountable to God. And there is a responsibility on your faith to be a doer of the word. And I stress that on your faith. Because not one person in this room in their own strength can be a doer of the word. We've already found out we fail in doing that. But the power of the Holy Spirit... Is the gift that God has given to your life and faith to be able to accomplish what God sets before you. I would say that the world is waiting for what you have. But really the Lord is waiting for what you have. God has put an investment in your life. And I just pray that you will take this to heart. And that you will allow the word of God and the spirit of God to really challenge you this morning. And I just thank you for taking that to heart. Deuteronomy 12, verse 9. For you are not as yet come to the rest and to the inheritance which the Lord your God gives you. And if I can say this to you this morning, that when I talk about this today, I am not talking about heaven. Because I believe that is an inheritance for us. And I believe that heaven is a true rest for us. But I am speaking more directly to the immediate time in which we live and the life in which we live. That in Christ, in Jesus Christ, there is a rest and an inheritance that God fully intends his church to be living in. But a vast amount of people are not. And I would say this even in regards, and I might repeat this, but I have the privilege of being able to travel to a lot of churches. Since COVID, I haven't traveled internationally as much, or at all really, as I was used to traveling. But that was also by design of God, because before COVID hit, I remember telling the church that God will have me more in the States than abroad Little did I know how those things would would involve itself. But that was certainly the mind of God and the will of God. And we have been traveling every month around the United States ministering. And I have the privilege of going into a lot of Pentecostal churches. And can I tell you this morning that a lot of Pentecostal churches in the United States are dead. They're absolutely dead. And that is a tragedy. Because I believe that the church of Jesus and its testimony is life. And not a manufactured life. But a real life and a powerful life. A life that is to be reckoned with. Hell must reckon with it. But the churches seem to be dead. Formality and ritual. And so I pray that you will let this sink in in verse 9. You are not as yet come to the rest and to the inheritance which the Lord your God gives you. You don't earn it. It's a gift to you. And because it's a gift, you have to receive it. But it is an amazing thing how stubborn Christians are that they will not receive the one thing that they so desperately want. And that is so incredibly free. But when you go over Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord your God gives you to inherit... And when he gives you rest from all your enemies round about so that you dwell in safety. I want you to know that Canaan is not heaven. And Canaan was never portrayed as heaven in the Bible. 
Canaan is the abundant life in Jesus Christ. In Canaan, there's going to be battles that are fought. In Canaan, there are enemies. In Canaan, there are obstacles. In Canaan, there are hindrances. In Canaan, there are intimidations. So Canaan is not heaven. Because when we go to heaven, there are no armies that we fight. There are no hindrances. There are no obstacles. There are no battles. Heaven is the true and complete rest. But there is a place in Jesus Christ that God wants us as Christians to live. And it is a place where your enemies are put down. Where you really know, I am more than a conqueror through him that loved me. Thanks be to God who gives me the victory through my Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason that you know those victories are real is because you have enemies that you have to fight and they fall before Christ. So just understand that. Then there shall be a place which the Lord your God shall choose to cause his name to dwell there. Thither shall you bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, and the heave offering of your hand, and all your choice vows which you vow unto the Lord. This is important. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your sons and your daughters and your men servants and your maid servants and the Levite that is within your gate who doesn't have an inheritance in the land because the Levite's inheritance is the Lord. And I'm just reading this passage of scripture and I'm just thinking about what is in the mind of God and in the heart of God for his people, which is absolutely glorious that God has in mind. And God wants us to enter into a place, into an inheritance in him that is a place of rest and it is a place of victory. It is a place where we have safety even in the midst of our enemies. It is the place where Christians rejoice and Christians sing. It is the place where Christians fulfill their vows before God. It is a place where men and their wives and their sons and their daughters and the people who work farm are all gathering together around the name of the Lord, rejoicing and singing and being glad. And all to God, there was gladness in the house of the Lord. Would to God that there were families, men and their wives and their children and their grandchildren not going to a church service and sitting in a pew, but the whole mass of them just singing and dancing and jumping before the Lord with gladness. But that is so foreign in modern day Christianity and that is so foreign in Pentecostal churches. It used to be the norm. It used to be very common, but it has become a very foreign thing. And and please let this come to your own life. Because I would probably say it might be foreign to you and your family. It might be foreign to you and your wife and your children. When was the last time you, with your children and your grandchildren, were gathered into the inheritance of God in the midst of God where he puts his name, which is the church of Jesus Christ, and you sang and you rejoiced together as a family and your teenagers are with you doing it. So I say that for us to be able to check our hearts and maybe raise the question, I might not be in my rest or in my inheritance yet. Maybe I'm passing through the wilderness and I'm on this side of Jordan and I'm not on that side. Just consider it. Fair enough? Because this is what Moses is saying on behalf of God That he wants for the people of God. There's a lack of unity in families. There's a lack of unity in relationships. There's a lack of celebrating the same thing. And I pray that we would celebrate God with all of our hearts. In Deuteronomy chapter 1. I want you to see with me. The condition of this. In Deuteronomy 1-2. There are 11 days journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir unto Kadesh Barnea. In verse 6. The Lord our God spoke to us in Horeb. Saying you have dwelt long enough in this mount. And I believe God is saying that to us. Turn you and take your journey. And go to the mount of the Amorites. 
And unto all the high places near thereunto, in the plain, the hills, the vale, the south, by the seaside, to the land of the Canaanites, which is their promised land, and unto Lebanon, unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Behold, I have set the land, which was their inheritance and promise, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land, which the Lord swear to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and gift unto them and to their seed after them. And I believe that is the heart of God. I believe it is the desire of God that he would say to believers, his children, in this hour that we're living in, you've dwelt here long enough. You've dwelt in this mount long enough. Now, come on, let's face it for a little bit. How many of us as Christians are not content for God to give us just a good season in life? How many of us are content or we spend a lot of our prayers praying to God? Just let the proverbial mountaintop experiences, right? God, I just, I don't like the desert. I don't like the valleys. We, we, we say we like the mountaintop. It's not the theology of the mountain because nothing grows on the mountaintops and you learn all your lessons in the valley. I'm just talking about what the mountaintop means for us as Christians. And typically we're very content if God would answer our prayers and let us live as Christians on a mountaintop experience for the rest of our life. But a mountaintop experience is not necessarily your promise. And so God says to us, you've lived in this mountain long enough. Get up and go because this is not your possession. This is part of the journey. And I've got to get you into Canaan where I'm going to set my name. And I've promised your fathers that you're going to live. And church of Jesus Christ, I say to us that God is not going to allow us to become content and live content along the journey of mountaintops or wildernesses when he's got a promise for us to go into. And so God nudges us and tells us to go on because he wants us in the place that he has designed for our life. Because his name is there. It's for his name and it's for his glory. Verse 19. And when we departed from Horeb, we went through all that great and terrible wilderness. Remember, it's an 11-day journey. Which you saw by the way of the mountain of the Amorites as the Lord our God commanded us. And we came to Kadesh Barnea. And I said unto you, you are come unto the mountain of the Amorites, which the Lord our God does give to us. Behold, the Lord your God hath set the land before you. Go up and possess it as the Lord God of your fathers has said to you, fear not. Neither be discouraged because there's going to be a lot in your way to cause you to be afraid. And there's going to be a lot in your way that's going to seek to discourage you. And primarily, if you're familiar with Israel, that discouragement did not come from the giants. And that discouragement did not come from the land of the, the people in the land of Canaan. That discouragement came from the elders of Israel. Be careful of the Christians that are in your life and you go to church and you want to hear the word of God and they're looking at social media on their phones and they're not interested in worship and they're not interested in praise. Separate yourself from them and be Caleb and enter the promise of God for your life. Don't let anything keep you from that because this is it for God. This is you. You only have a few minutes to do this. The end of the world is here. Finish strong. Get a full reward for when you meet Jesus Christ and you step into the glorious kingdom of your father. Live your life to the full for Jesus Christ. And if the elders and the Christians that are around you are not doing it, walk alone if you have to. But for God's sake, get off that mountain and go take the land God promised you. Take the Christianity that God promised in the Bible. Live the life of the spirit that God promised in the Bible. Whether anybody else does or not, you do it. And if you do it, I promise you, your wives and your children and your grandchildren will. Because they'll see a reality they have longed to see. They've heard about Christianity for a hundred years in America. And we haven't seen it hardly at all. But one moment in the presence of God, I'll tell you, it'll attract a lot of people to a new way of life. A lot of people. Now I want you to go with me to Hebrews chapter 3. 
While you're turning there, I just want you to understand that the journey from Egypt to the promised land was a relatively short journey. Possibly 11 days, possibly just a couple of weeks, certainly within a month. They could have gone out of Egypt from bondage into Canaan where there was land flowing with milk and honey. And there were houses that they could live in that they didn't have to build. They didn't have to live in these tents and they didn't have to go and fetch water. And they didn't have to go collect manna every day. They could have eaten the the, the milk and the honey of the land and the finest of the fruits. But they did not. They did not. In Hebrews chapter 3 verse 6. I know when we come to this. If you will just listen to me for a second before we read it. We've been conditioned to turn to scriptures and read them in a particular way of light. Please listen to me instead of just reading it right now. We'll read it all together. It is typical to come to Hebrews chapter 6 and read it as an admonition to lost people to get saved. That is not who this is written to. This is not written to lost people saying, today, if you will not harden your heart. This is written to believers. It's written to us. And so I say that to you as we're about to read it, that you will not harden your heart, but you will keep it tender before the Lord. Verse 6, but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house you are, are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, what we were reading about in the Old Testament, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, And saw my works 40 years. If you've lived in this church for any length of time, you've seen the works of God. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation. God was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err. Where? In their hearts. And they have not known my ways. Now, you can't tell me they didn't know God because God was there. They saw his miracles and his power. He just said that. The pillar of fire was there every night. The cloud was there every day. There was a rock following them that gave them water to drink. There was manna on the ground every morning. Every one of these Israelites knew there was a God. But they didn't know his ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. You throw your confidence away. You depart from the Lord. That evil heart of unbelief means this. Listen to it. The evil heart of unbelief means this. The refusal to live what you know is true. That's the evil heart of unbelief. The refusal to live what you know is true. And faith is to live that. So he tells us in verse 13. But exhort one another daily. While it is called today. Lest any of you be hardened. Through the deceitfulness of sin. And and that is why we have to gather together as the church more and more. This is repeated in chapter 10 of Hebrews, where it says, as you see the day approaching, gather together all the more to encourage one another. Why? Because there's going to be a lot of things that have happened in our world. And beloved, it is being planned for a lot of things to happen in our world to prevent the church from meeting And if the church can be prevented from meeting, then it's possible that the hearts can be hardened. And it's possible that they can throw their confidence away and not live in the rest and the inheritance that God has for their life. There is a strategy against the church. And let me tell you something. I'm not for the conspiracy theories and all of that except for this one. The conspiracy of Satan against God. 
And the conspiracy of Satan to raise up an antichrist and a world one world government and a one world religion where he can lead this world in apostate rebellion against God, Jesus Christ. And the only thing that's in the way is the church. And the only thing that Satan wants more than anything else is to prevent the church. So everything that goes on in this world, at the heart of it, Satan wants to stop the church. However, I can do it. And if I have to stop businesses and if I have to stop other things and sports and whatever it is as a byproduct of stopping the church, my goal is the church because it's in the way. And not until God raptures this will the Antichrist be able to do what he wants to do. But that's the goal. That's the goal. And so we have to meet together, praise God, to exhort one another, to encourage one another so that we don't get hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. It's not a life of works that keeps your surety in Christ. It is faith, the confidence. And again, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? It was an eleven day journey. Who was he grieved for forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned? Whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest? But to them, and this is the condition of it, that believed not. So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. And I'm going to just, please listen to this. What God has set before his church, what God has set before you, is a promise and a provision of rest and victory and safety in the midst of our enemies, in this world, and in this life, and it is a gift that God gives to us that is to be received by faith. You don't enter into this because you're strong, because you're mighty, because you're smart, because you got enough people on your side. It is the gift of God, and you either come into it by faith, or you stay out of it because of unbelief. Praise God. That just simply means there's not a man, woman, boy or girl in this room who has an excuse to be able to say to God, I could not enter the promise that you laid for me because I was not strong enough. I was not smart enough because it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So it's for every one of us, brother, sister, young, old, you can enter. I'm determined to enter. You can enter. And I don't want to just assume that I have, but I want to enter into this and I want to live in this. So it's by faith and it's unbelief that will keep you out. And it's not unbelief in the denial that it exists. It's, it's unbelief in the means of refusing to exercise myself in what God has given me. That's the unbelief. They never questioned if Canaan was real. They never questioned if the promised land was there. They never questioned if the grapes were really like they were told they were going to be. They never questioned if there was milk and honey. They never questioned that. Their unbelief was, we are not able to do it. And so they didn't even try. They didn't even try. They refused. And it was that unbelief. That kept them in a wilderness for 40 years when in 11 days in less than two weeks they could have been living in houses they didn't build. Eating all kind of delicacies and living in all types of delights. But they refused. Unbelief. Let us, chapter 4 verse 1, let us therefore fear Lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith 
in them that heard it. Their unbelief was the result of a lack of profiting because they didn't put faith into what they heard. And listen to me, beloved, faith is not agreeing with what a preacher says. That is not faith, that's agreement. Faith is the action of your life upon what God said. Build an ark, Noah, I'm going to build an ark. He didn't say I could build an ark, God could build an ark. He went and built an ark. And God said to Abram, leave this place and go to a land that I'm going to show you. He did it, that's faith. Faith in action. And so verse 3, I'll close here with this segment. For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. So it is all done. Now I want to go to Numbers chapter 11. You could write this in your notes or in your Bible 1 Corinthians chapter 10 is also a chapter in the New Testament that tells us as end times believers that these situations in the Old Testament and Israel in the wilderness, that is a direct example for us right now living in this day. So this, this is not a reach to try to understand what we're learning in Numbers chapter 11. In Numbers chapter 11, this is the last scripture I'm, I'm going to read from. And I'm going to begin in verse 1. And it says this. And when the people, and this is a very important passage. If you read any scripture, read this one. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. And the Lord heard it. Complaining displeases God. And God hears complainers. And he's not happy with them. We could all repent. Right now. I don't want to have an evil heart of unbelief. I could repent right now. And his anger was kindled. And the fire of the Lord burnt among them. And consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. And the people cried to Moses. And when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. God is so merciful. And he called the name of the place Taborah, because the fire of the Lord burnt among them. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, who shall give us flesh to eat? They felt lusting. Their lust was hunger. I'm hungry. You ever had somebody say, well, that church just doesn't feed me anymore. No, you just don't eat. You just don't eat. You're lusting like they did against Moses in the wilderness. We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. That's what we remember. Underscore that in verse 5, we remember. But now our soul is dried away. My soul is dry. How many of you are dry spiritually? How many of you would testify this morning that I'm very concerned about my walk and my soul And my condition spiritually with the Lord. Because I don't feel a lot of fire. I feel pretty dry inside. I I feel pretty stale inside. And and one of the growing problems in my life. Is the fact that I don't feel as bad about it today. As I did a month ago. And I'm still just as dry. And I'm still just as barren. That is the the problem of a wilderness life. That is the problem of a wilderness life. And so he says this, our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all. Is that true? No, that's not true. But that's what their complaining made them believe. They hardened their hearts. Because that was certainly not the truth. The provision of God was there. It's just not what they wanted. 
And so they say this, there's nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. And the manna was a corundar seed. I don't know how you say that. And the color thereof is the color of whatever that color is. And the people went about and gathered it and ground it in mills or beat it into a, in a mortar, a mortar and baked it in pans and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil. And when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell upon it. And so I just want you to stop there. And I just want to speak to you for a few minutes now in regards to these scriptures. And I want you to understand what I believe is the heart of God for you. And I would believe is my heart for you as a pastor. I believe that we have the most exciting opportunity that is set before us. I believe that we are a dysfunctional society that is living in the world today. I believe we have a very great difficulty of remembering things. I believe that we live from one emotion to the next emotion. I believe that we understand truths and we are convicted of the truths and we agree with the truths, but we don't allow those truths to affect us to any degree that come Sunday night or come Monday morning or come Tuesday afternoon, you will not remember this service. You will not remember that God has spoken to you. You will not remember the promises that God has laid out for you. You will not remember the gifts that God wanted to give you. You will not remember the inheritance that God put right in front of you and said, I want you to have this. Take it. Come and get it. And if you have faith, it's yours. We will not remember these things. We will forget these things. And then come Thursday or come Friday, we're going to realize I haven't really read my Bible. I haven't really prayed well. I haven't had God speak to me in so long. My soul is dry. I'm so hungry. I have nothing to eat but this stuff all over again. I'm going to go to church again on a Sunday. Pastor Lee or somebody's going to speak to us again out of the word of God. I'm going to get a crumb that falls from that. I'm going to forget it by Tuesday again. And I'm in this wilderness cycle where I'm hungry and I'm thirsty and nobody's feeding me and nobody's caring for my spirit and nobody's helping me grow as a Christian. And I don't know if all this Jesus stuff is real anyway. Because we're living in a wilderness of unmet expectations, not because God is lagging behind or because God is refusing to give us what we want. Because God, But God has said, listen, I've got a promise for you where you're going to live in abundance. It's about 11 days from here. Get up and get going because you're not going to just appear there overnight. you got to go through this wilderness and fight some battles. But my promise is real and I want you to live in the fullness of Jesus Christ in your life. I want you to live in joy and I want you to be happy and I want you to be glad and I want you to be victorious and I want people to see my name in your life so that your children and your teenagers are dancing and rejoicing before your God because they cannot deny his reality. That's what I want for your life and you're like, oh God, I want that for my life. Oh God, I want a fullness in my life and God says, great, it's yours, take it, but we don't. Because of an evil heart of unbelief, we don't take it. It's not the fact that we don't believe in it, but we don't exercise ourselves toward it. We do nothing different. We continue to do the same thing over and over and over again. Much like Israel going around in circles in the wilderness. Hoping that something or maybe one day everything is going to be a little bit different. But it rarely changes. And nothing ever changes until we complain so much to God. And tell the Lord so diligently and so much, God, I can't bear this anymore. I can't bear this manna anymore. I've got to have meat to eat. And God begins to hear this complaint. And God says, all right, I'm going to give them meat to eat. I'm going to send them this to them. I'm going to give them this conference. I'm going to do an encourage conference. I'm going to do an arise conference. I'm going to send the greatest preachers that I have in the world to them. And I'm going to feed them for three days. And I'm going to give them everything I can get them. And I'm going to fill them up. And the youth is going to say, I'll never be different again in my life. I'm going to walk with God. The old people are excited about the Lord. And one month later, we're stale again. Stale again. Because the sustenance and the sustaining of your life has to be your faith 
It has to be your faith to go after God and to live in the fullness and the provision of Jesus Christ. Is there a life of power? You better believe it. Is there a life of rest? You better believe it. Is there a life in Jesus Christ where we have victory, absolute victory over our enemies? You better believe it. Is there a God who heals? You better believe it. Is there Christians who are happy? Yes. Are there Christians who are joyful? Yes. Is there a God worth following? Yes, there is. Yes. And many of you want that, but you don't have that. But you can have that. Because you don't have to go and be a doctorate in theology and you don't have to go and fast for 21 days and do a Daniel fast. And you don't have to do this and do that and do this. You have to believe. And when you believe God, then your faith is going to act upon what he says. And what he said he would do, you're going to find out he does it. And it's going to be exciting to you. There's a few things here that just stand out to me from the book of Numbers that we read. That I just want to share with you for just a moment. And I just want to share with you just a moment that there was only a small group of people that lived during that 40 years in the wilderness who really never complained and murmured. And that was Moses and Caleb and Joshua. And the Bible says of Caleb, which I would say the same of Joshua, he had another spirit with him. There was something different about this man, something different about Joshua. And obviously the weight of responsibility upon Moses. I think he would get up in the mornings. He's got millions of people out there. He knows what cutthroats they are. He knows how quick they'll pick up stones and kill him and make another leader and go back to Egypt. He knows all of that. And Moses probably gets up every morning and he just wakes up and he looks out of his tent and he sees man on the ground. He says, oh, thank you, God, that there's enough to feed the people today. But the people would get up in the morning so they'd open up the tent and they'd look out there and they'd say, oh, manna again. And that's the way a lot of people are in the churches today. And I'm just speaking to this in general of the church of Jesus Christ in America. But I believe it is appropriate for maybe anybody here in this room and you, and, and you and I can fall into the tradition of such a monotonous Christian life. We go through the motions. We do the same things every day. We eat the same things every day. We're trying to go on with God. We're doing our devotions. We're saying our prayers. But we're so dry and we're so barren. And we're wondering, for God's sake, when is something going to happen for my life? When is the will of God going to be done in my life? When am I going to know what I'm created for? When is God going to give me the ministry that I'm longing for God to give to me? And you're hoping and longing so much for something to change. But your Christianity has become so absolutely dull. And you know it's dull. Now you do everything you can to dress that up. You do everything you can to not give the impression that your Christianity is dull. You want to give the impression that your Christianity is exciting. And your Christianity is glorious. And your relationship with God is incredible. Second only to Moses and God. But in your heart, you know those things are not true. But if you could fool enough people enough of the time, then maybe one day down along the road in this journey, maybe God will give me another visitation and I'll really be full and I'll really be happy then. And everything really will change. So I'm going to put on the facade just a little bit longer. Or maybe some of you have given up the facade. You've just given it up. I played that game and I'm tired of that game and I'm tired of faking it and I'm not happy and I'm, I believe God and I can't leave him and I can't leave the camp, but I'm so unhappy and I'm so discouraged and I feel like my confidence is wavering, but I don't have enough courage to leave the Lord because I know that he's true and I'm here, but I'm not doing well, you know, and praise God for that honesty. And what is the answer for either one of those people? The faith to get out of this mountain and get to the promise. That's the answer. And we know that's the answer. But the problem is, even when we know it's the answer, it's something that we really don't do. Can you imagine this? You see the way that they took that manna and they used it so many different ways. Keith Green came out with a song a long time ago about the manna. All the different ways you can make manna. Manna bread. 
you know, manna shakes, all of these things. Just how many ways can you take manna and make a meal out of it? Forty years. Forty years. You know, these guys' children got to go into the promised land, but they weren't mighty people. Just as soon as Joshua died, they're worshiping false gods. If not before. These weren't great kids. But what did they live knowing? For 40 years. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Manna. If this is all there is to God. I don't know if this is what I want. And mom and dad. How many years? What have you given them? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What have you given them? And what are they going to believe when they have the freedom to believe anything they want and go anywhere they want? And maybe they'll mimic your Christianity. Is it worth mimicking? Is it worth mimicking? Is it worth demonstrating to other people's lives? So I just think about that manna all the time. And I, and I really believe that is one of the great crises of Christianity. That Christians are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That we as Christians are complete in Jesus. That everything heaven has it has already guaranteed to you and I everything. And yet we beg for the crumbs. And for the most part, there's a lot of people that go to churches and Pentecostal churches all over our land. And the only way they make it from one week to the next is they catch a crumb that falls off the table where somebody really close to God is eating. And that life gave them an inspiration to go on for another week. Because that person really walks with God and I really see the Lord in their life. And man, I really got a crumb from them or they taught a Bible study and it really blessed me. And it infused my faith and it gave me the strength to go on another month. And we get another crumb and we get another crumb. And oh, to God, there, if you would look up, there's an empty chair at the table that God has for you. God says, I don't want you to eat crumbs. I want you to feast like this person's feasting that you admire or the life of this Christian that you so long to have. You can have it. I've got a table for you as well. If you would just believe and climb up in it and you will find that everything Jesus has, he's given to you and all of heaven is yours and all the authority and the power of heaven is at your disposal and angels are at your disposal and God himself is with you. There's nothing too hard and nothing impossible. Just enter into the promise. Just enter into it. Live it and be full and be free in it. And I just thought this note was just something that stood out to me in Numbers 11. That the only thing people living in the wilderness could remember was their former life. And the only thing they knew about Canaan were sermons they heard. But they had no memory of Canaan because they had never been there. But all they could remember was Egypt and even the hell that God brought me out of began to look a little bit appetizing compared to manna every day. I remember the garlics. I remember the leeks. I remember the things in Egypt. Because I can't remember anything in Canaan. I haven't been there. And beloved, there is a rest that God has for all of us to enter. Not by works and not by striving, but by faith. Through the grace of God, we're able to enter into the abundance of Jesus Christ and everything that Jesus Christ promised you, you're going to find that it's absolutely true. And I could just imagine God wanting to say to the Israelites, listen, you could have stopped eating manna 11 days into this journey. But you chose to eat it for 40 years. You could have been in a promised land 
eating milk and honey. You could have been in the promised land loading up your vats with grapes and grape juice of the finest that you've ever tasted in your life. I would have given you such delicacies in Canaan that you would have never remembered Egypt again. But you camped out in the wilderness and you missed everything that I had for you. And beloved, I I believe with all of my heart that it is the desire of God for Christians in this hour. For God to be able to say you've dwelt in this mountain long enough. It's a high place. It's a good place and you like it. But you can't afford to stay here because this isn't the promise that I have for you. It's just a place in the journey. And we're going to go through some dangers of the wilderness. But I'm going to bring you not in years. I'm going to bring you quickly to your promised land. And when you get there, I want you to believe me. And I want you to go into it. And I want you to possess it. And I want it to be yours. Because my son is coming soon. And it is time that you are a demonstration of the life that I've testified about in you. It is time. And if anything about your life is going to change, it's because you have to faith differently. Faith differently. I'm not just talking about acting differently. I'm talking about faithing differently. And what I mean by that is this. Anybody can act differently. But I'm saying just do something different in regards to what you believe about God. Do something more in regards to what you believe about God. The Bible says that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I I believe Jeff could testify of this. And some of you could testify of this. And some of the Pentecostal churches that we've been in. I've been in churches where they don't even believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And they've got more life in them than Pentecostal churches do. And you're looking for the life of God. And you're looking for the presence of God. People are filled by the Holy Spirit with the Holy Spirit individually. And the gift of the Holy Spirit is for every one of you that are God's children. There's not one person in this room who is a child of God that God would say no to. You can't have my spirit. It's not a condition of your holiness. This is the only means by which you can be holy. Is the Holy Spirit. It's not a condition of your strength or your power. Because the Holy Spirit is the only condition you have to be strong and powerful. So he's not given the Holy Spirit to those that have been perfected or to those that have measured up to some standard of holiness. The Holy Spirit is the gift that God gives to all of his born again children so that they can live in power and they can live in holiness and they can live in communion with God himself. And the Holy Spirit is the fullness of joy and the fullness of life and the fullness of peace and the fullness of might and the fullness of strength. And I guarantee you, when you walk around in this world wearing the Holy Ghost and demons see that you're full of the Holy Ghost, you are walking in peace and safety because they're terrified of that God on you. They're terrified of him. But you can walk around anywhere you want with the label of a church on you. You can walk around anywhere you want with a certificate and a PhD of a school you graduated from. And no devil in hell will be afraid of you. You haven't entered your promise. You haven't entered into your provision. You're not living where the land flows with milk and honey. Because that land is Jesus Christ. And that fullness is the Holy Ghost of God. Living in us and filling us. And God gives us injunctions to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And some of you guys in here, you know you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You understand the life of the Holy Spirit. You understand the joy of the Holy Spirit. But it's been so long since you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And you choose rather to live in depression than you do in joy. You choose rather to be quiet rather than to praise God. And we can go ahead and be stubborn and have an evil heart of unbelief. Knowing I should be praising the Lord but I'm just not going to do it. I should be filled with the Holy Spirit. But I just don't feel like it's the right time tomorrow. I'm going to make one more lap in the wilderness. No sir. No, sir, Jesus is coming and I'm tired of this baggage and I'm tired of this depression and I'm tired of the complaining. I want to be filled with God. I want to live in the presence of God. I want to live in the power of God. I want to live an exciting life with God. And I'm getting off of this mountain and I'm going and I'm going. And I'll tell you this with all of my heart. Please listen to me. Go. Go, do it. Whatever is stopping you, get away from it. Whatever is a hindrance in your life, get away. Young people, if you want to walk with God and nobody in the youth group does, leave them. Walk with God. Leave them. 
Who cares what people don't want to do or do want to do? But walk with God. Old people walk with God. Parents walk with God. I don't care what the new psychologists are telling us on how to raise our kids and how much sleep they need. They need the presence of God. And if other parents don't want to do that, listen, if other parents don't want to do that and get my baby to bed at 7.30 on Sunday night, then let them put them to bed at 7.30 on Sunday night. But I'll tell you, when that baby's 16 years old, raised in a bed of sleep, or your baby raised in a prayer meeting, you'll be glad you brought them to church. You'll be glad you did. Get off that mountain and go into your promise and take it in the name of Jesus Christ. They didn't step out of Egypt and step into Canaan. They had a wilderness to walk through. They didn't come off of that mountain and suddenly they're transported into the land of Canaan. They had to go one step at a time. I've got to walk through this wilderness. I've got to go through this desert. I've got a rock that's going to give me water. I've got a God that's going to give me shade. I've got manna that's going to feed me from God. And that manna is Jesus Christ. This is not the best of conditions and it's not the best environment that I could ever want for my life. Oh, but there is a promise. And if I've got to walk through a desert with Jesus, then I'll walk through the desert with Jesus. I'll drink Jesus. I'll eat Jesus. I'll fight with Jesus. But I'm not staying here. No, sir. I'm not living in a wilderness. There's a promise for me. And by God, I'm going into it. And you got to take one step at a time. One step at a time. And when you come against the hindrance, or you come against a giant, or you come against the Jordan River, don't stop. Keep walking. And you'll find that God will open up that river for you. God will open it up and you'll walk into that promise and you'll thank God you did. You'll thank God you didn't stay back there in that wilderness and live another year in that agony complaining. Nothing's ever good. I'm always dry. My spirit, my soul is so burdened. I'm so hungry. I'm not well fed. All I've got is this manna. And all you'll do is hear about the reports from a foreign land while you're sitting back in the promise, sipping on your lemonade, having your milk and honey, living in a house you didn't build and trying to tell the body of Christ, it's real. Come on. It's real. But we don't do it. You're not going to praise God. You're not going to worship God. You're not going to be in a prayer meeting. You're not going to seek the Lord. You're not going to cry for his presence. You're not going to be desperate for him. We're going to do the same thing we've always done. And we're going to wonder why nothing changes. But I'll tell you, the God of the universe is not offering you something. He's offering you him. And faith enters it. Faith. It's not the mighty not the strong, it's not the courageous, it's the believer. The believer. And I say that to you this morning because we're at the end. I know it more than ever. We're at the end. But not my end, this world's end, my beginning. Maybe the world's darkest day, but my brightest day. My brightest day. And people that live in the wilderness, they spend most of their time complaining. Oh, if I could just move. Move to another city. Move to another state. Move to another thing. Move to another group. Oh, my life would be so happy. I'll tell you this. If God didn't lead you there, Not only will it not be more happy, it will be more miserable. Right? And we can live our life complaining. When the Holy Ghost says, listen, in the midst of the church and in the midst of the body of Christ, I have given you delicacies. I have given you so much. I've given you outreaches to be a part of. I've given you teams to go and fight the enemy with. I've given you groups to go and fight for a baby's right to live. I've given you groups to go and fight against those who are making laws that are going to make our lives as Christians harder. I've given you avenues to go fight. 
I've given you praise groups to go and praise with. I've given you prayer groups to go and pray with. I've given you singles groups. I've given you young adults groups. I've given you youth groups. I've given you all of these things so your life can thrive. Your life can thrive. But people living in the wilderness just spend their time complaining. Oh, I wish the group was different. I wish that was different. I wish this was different. I wish this. I wish that. This is not happening. I'm not getting anything out of that. I don't really get fed. I don't get, really get blessed by that ministry. And we're just like people living in the wilderness. But people that are marching through the wilderness and going to their promised land, they're like Moses. And they just open up the door of their tent. And they say, oh, God, thank you for the youth group. Oh, God, thank you for the young adults group. Oh, God, thank you for the prayer group. Thank you for the intercessory team. Oh, God, thank you for the LSU outreach. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I'm a part of something that's moving the kingdom of God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Lord, my life is filled with purpose. My life is so exciting. God, there's so much demand upon my life. Lord, you're using me. God, you're making a difference in my life. People, their lives are being influenced and affected by the way that we're living. Oh, God, thank you. This is so exciting. Two different mentalities in the wilderness. Two different. But the majority of the people that have that mentality of advancing the kingdom of God is just a few people. Moses, Caleb, Joshua, you guys. You have that spirit. You have that mind. And so I say to you as I finish. You've dwelt in this mountain long enough. It's a good place. It's a contented place. It's a mountaintop. But it's not your promise. It's got nothing to do with moving physically. That is, if you, if you hear that, you've missed it. Nothing about a physical move. It is about a spiritual move, a belief, a belief that takes you from here to there. I was telling the guys Sunday night in the prayer meeting, I said, you know, it's maybe difficult for some people to praise God. Maybe it's difficult for some people to praise God publicly. So get in your car all by yourself and just go crazy with God. You're in your car, you're by yourself. Turn the music up really loud and just sit in that car and shout to God. Just go berserk praising the Lord. A holy berserk. Just go berserk praising the Lord. Because if you can't do that in your car by yourself, how are you ever going to do it in the church? And if you can't do it in the church, how are you going to do it on the streets? You've got to do something different by faith. By faith. Oh, I long to see... The sick healed. Go pray for them. Go pray for them. Do something different. By faith. Believe what God has said. Stand with me. I just pray in the name of Jesus. God's blessing over your life. That beloved. The promise. The inheritance. The rest that I speak of. Is not earned. It is a gift that is given to faith. You don't have to live the rest of your life begging God to give you what He's already given you. You just have to take it. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speak to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord and give thanks and you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Believe God. Act in faith. Ask and you shall receive. Trust him. For ministry, trust him and ask him. But the devil comes in. The devil wants to tell you, well, you're not ready for ministry. Who is? I mean, honestly, for God's sake, who is ready for ministry? Even the apostle Paul said, we are insufficient to do these things. But God is our sufficiency. God wants to show you. God wants to give you. God wants to bless you for his name. His name is in you. And so I just say to you, you got to move. You got to take a step and then another one and then another one and then another one. And you're going to find something's going to come and stand up in front of you. Some enemy, some Amalek. Some Edomite, some giant, some river is going to stand up right in your way. 
and say you can't do it but you just take the next step and mountains will move and giants will fall and rivers will part and you will see the glory of God in your life and whether anybody goes with you or not keep going keep going keep going if you die keep going keep going believe God all the way bring the obstacle to God apply faith to the situation believe the Lord is able in the midst of it the Lord is able the Lord is able and you have your rest and you have your security you have your life and it's going to be a demonstration to all who see you we magnify you Jesus Oh, we magnify you. Would you just begin to praise him with me? Would you lift your voices up? Come on, let's just all pray. Let's just all lift our voices up to the Lord. Lord, we magnify you for your name is above every name. You are most high, God, and you are worthy. You're worthy of all glory and you're worthy of all honor. And you're worthy of all praise, Lord. And Father, I thank you that I don't have to live here and I don't have to stay here. Even in good places, I don't have to stay because there's a promise for me. There's an inheritance for me, God, and I'm marching for it and I'm walking for it, God. And as good as a place can be, I want the place that you have for me, God. And I thank you that I get to walk with you. I thank you that you are my shepherd, Lord. You are my good shepherd. And, oh, Lord, you lead us. I thank you for the green pastures, and I thank you for the still waters. But I also thank you for the dry wilderness and the barren lands and the dangerous lands. Because even there, you prove yourself to me, God. Oh, you're worthy, Jesus. You're so worthy. Oh, Jesus, we love you, Jesus. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that the rest is grace. The rest is grace. The rest is grace. We believe, Lord. We believe. Oh, God, we believe.